Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com. I'm Johnny. And I'm Andy Vance. Yeah, and we're, we're doing it. We're, we've got this thing going. We're coming off a of bye week. We're refreshed. We are, you know, ready to take on the week and attack the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, it's not Illibuck, but it's a, you know, it'll do, right? Like any anytime you can get like some kind of turtle-themed opponent or turtle-themed like game, uh, I think you just got to have at least one of those a year. So I'm excited for Maryland. I think it's going to be a good time. Uh, they're coming off a uh, just one of the more irritating games I've seen all year in Michigan versus uh, Maryland. Just no, served no purpose for anyone. Um, how, how did you spend your bye weekend? So watched a little bit of football. Uh, of course, we also took down the Halloween decorations because, as you do, uh, the day after trick or treat. So that was that was a big sure. time. Uh, Not and, me, uh, but I appreciate well, your gumption. That's good. Well, we those are staying up till Christmas, dude. Like, sorry, that's just how I roll. Like, <laughs> cool that no Christmas decorations go up until after Thanksgiving. But yep. the day after Halloween, the Halloween decorations should come down too. So that's you know we we play it both ways. There you go. Uh, but fam- family time was my bye week, and I think uh, I think that's good. But we did watch some football. I had a I, I got a kick out of your mention of that Michigan. I think that's the kind of game that gives Michigan fans just enough hope, just enough hope. Hey, we've got this thing back on track. Life is good, and uh, maybe sets them up for future heartbreaks. And doesn't that yeah. make it fun? I mean, look, and, and we'll talk about it a little bit in the in the coming up here in a little bit but i you know it's one of those games where you know if you just look at the box score like wow michigan did really good and if you actually watch the game you're like wow why did i waste three and a half hours of my time uh, so which has been your but just been your message throughout most of the season right it it's, really has that's, because that's not, the problem well okay let's just talk about michigan right now i'm we'll we'll go into other things but because ohio state wasn't playing and you do focus on your rival right in those those off weeks the, the thing about this game and as we're you know recording this, I think threat level's been up for about 10 minutes. Um, but the thing about watching Michigan and, and the thing that I have repeatedly, as you know, say and have said uh, throughout the season is that they're, even when Michigan looks good, even when they win games that they should by comfortable margins, there's no point in watching these games. Like there's nothing inspiring. There's nothing interesting about this team. Like if you watch Ohio State, right? You're going to see Justin Fields do something stupid, like incredibly stupidly crazy, like an awesome, okay? You're going to see J.K. Dobbins be a beast mode and and roll off a 50-yard run or something like that. Uh, you know, you're going to see Chase Young get five sacks or something crazy. If you watch Michigan, you'll watch Shea Patterson fumble five times and like, you know, and and maybe like a running back get 4.5 yards per carry. And to the to Michigan's credit, they had one cool play. It was like basically their first play of the game where they had a, you know, a re- kick return for a, a touchdown. That was awesome. But then you got to watch the other three and a half hours and just in this vain hope that something might happen and it's not going to happen. So, you know, they're playing Michigan State uh, coming up here um, in a little bit. And then, you know, they've got they got Indiana, which is, I think, a threat. And of course, Ohio State. Um, I'm really curious to see how these last three games play out. Michigan State sucks, but Indiana, Ohio State, scary games. I don't know. I mean, maybe I've just have watched too much Michigan, and I'm like way too cynical about this. Do you think that they're like starting towards respectability? Because that's really the narrative, right? On them, like, okay, they found their running game, they found their moxie and their mojo. Do you believe that, or am I just going crazy? Well, so here's here's the thing I I alluded to. You know, if Michigan thinks they've turned the corner, they've they've fixed the problems, it sets it up for a really sweet finish to the season. If you're not a fan, oh sure, of the I, I saw this tweet uh, the other day from Jason Starrett at the Athletic that I thought was that was kind of sets this up nicely. So since halftime at Penn State, when Harbaugh said the second half would be Michigan's finest hour, over ten quarters, <laughs> the Wolverines have outscored their opponents ninety-seven to twenty-eight. Outgained their opponents by 523 more first downs than the opponents and committed, and this maybe is the most intriguing one, zero turnovers versus 14 turnovers in the first six and a half games of the season. So so many turnovers. Hmm. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Uh, Have they really improved? Yeah, the, the, the toughest tests are yet to come for that team, but I, I think it sets up nice for some fun, for some fun uh, antics to the 
close of the season for Ohio State fans. There's just there's nothing that they do well that's interesting, right? Like they might do, you know, there are certain things that they do well, uh, you know, around the margins of the game and you know on special teams stuff like that. But like in general, you're just kind of watching them. Like ah, I don't care. Like if they, you know, <laughs> if their defensive line stunts well occasionally, like it's not none of it is really that interesting, and they're just a boring as hell team to watch. And like. Here's the thing, okay, and, and I know that sounds hypocritical coming from an Ohio State fan who, like, reveled in the Jim Trestle years. But the thing about the Jim Trestle teams is that they won a lot. And what was entertaining about that is you're watching, like, the worst possible brand of football, but they're winning, a, like, the maximum amount of games you can win with that particular brand of football. Whereas Michigan, it's like they have the worst brand of football to, like, watch in terms of entertainment value, but they're also losing a lot of stupid games. And so it's like you're not you're not seeing this team doing a balancing act between, like, great and terrible. You're just watching a team kind of, like, on this big, wide, you know, boogie board of mediocrity, and they're just – they can't fall off. And it's just, you know, one way or the other. Either be really scary and really, like, goofy in a team that, you know, you'll actually have to pay attention to or be absolutely terrible, right? And, and then you're also interesting in that sense. But the way they're going, I'm just like, I, you know, whatever. So I want to keep making really mean jokes on threat level and get Reddit people to, like, tell me that I'm not funny, which is fine, uh, by the way, because I'm, I'm genuinely, like, not really that funny. But uh, I enjoy – I do enjoy dunking on them because of how angry they make me <laughs> having to watch their stupid games. I will stand for you and the yeah, threat level series, my friend. I am, I am all in, chips in the middle of the table. All right, so that, let's we're done with Michigan. I don't want to talk about Michigan anymore. I would want to talk. <laughs> I want to talk about Ohio State briefly uh, in terms of like the Heisman race. We've been hyping that up for a little bit. Chase Young rising on some boards. What do you think? Okay, let me ask you this: What do you think Chase Young needs to do to really get like? And I don't mean like okay, get invited to New York City. Fine, I think they'll throw him a bone as long as he's like at least mediocre for the last few games here. What do you think Chase Young needs to do to win this damn thing? So to to win the Heisman, you've got to have that certainly um, is a big deal because invariably, particularly as the trophy has evolved into the best quarterback on a title contending team award. Um, right. So so there's got to be stats. So he's got to have, and, and he's on track to do this, right? He's going to, um, he's easily going to pass the season sack record at Ohio State. So that's a big deal because you can say, hey, Chase Young, did these things that no other player at Ohio State has ever done and compare him to some of the all-time greats. Um, so that's, sure. that's a big deal. Uh, he's got he's got to have you know, high number of sacks, which he's clearly going to be able to do tackles for if he could turn in something like a pick or, you know, that, that, that one earlier in the season where it looked like a pick six was was absolutely on the table and he dropped yeah. it. You could tell it, it aggravated him. It has something like that. But really – the stats are a given the the media attention is certainly coming along at the right time because now he's in the conversation the rest of the season so he's got to be in the conversation and and people have to acknowledge hey this guy is uh you know a potential number one overall draft pick depending on who ends up with that pick um hint, hint, bingles 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 and <laughs> and so then from there the last thing is you've got to make um statement game type type uh, highlight real things happen in those last couple games. So when you're going right. to have the, the the kind of in-state game and then in Michigan, especially since it's at Michigan, you come up with some big game. I'm talking like a, a Bozo walk-off sack uh, performance. When that's all anybody's going to be talking about, that you just, just called that closing argument that'll really seal the deal. And, right. and I think he, you know, he's absolutely the kind of player that can do what I've just laid out uh, the numbers I think are going to be there for sure. Unless he just, you know, simply doesn't show up the next couple of games, which I don't think either of us thinks is in the realm of possibility. Um, you know, yeah, I don't think be there. And so then it's just, Hey, turn in a couple of highlight performances because you want the, the media is talking about you now, those, those pundits and the Twitterers who kind of set the tone. Sure. That, there, he's going to have a Joel Clatt and he's going to have a Kirk Herbstreet singing his praises uh, on the national level. That matters because a lot of those Heisman voters who are just tuning in and watching the games uh, on TV and not watching a truckload of film, um, you know, that that matters. So then those last couple games, you make your closing argument with big time performance in big time games. Yeah, so I, I agree with that. And I, I actually going to say two elements to this. I think, well, I guess three elements. I agree with the first thing that you said. 
uh, where you've got to continue and get the stats and whatnot. I actually think the second thing that I would say is you got to show Heisman voters something new, which sounds really stupid. But like when you're a defensive player, you've got to show that you're like super multifaceted, I think. I think that's what really gets them going. So, if again, if you can get that interception, get a pick six, score a touchdown somehow, that's the kind of thing that will really turn heads. Uh, I, I really think you have to continue what you're doing as well. I mean, when you have, you know, four sacks in a game, like they expect something similar, right? Because they, it, it's not enough for Chase Young to be the best defensive player in America. He has to be the best defensive player pretty much since the 1990s. And, and that's stupid because that isn't the metric that we should judge, you know, Heisman winners on. Um, but that's essentially what you have to do as a defensive player. So I think he's got to continue the pace that he's on, show the Heisman voters something new, get an interception or two, you know, get a touchdown or whatever. And then Ohio State's really got to build up the hype machine. They got to start promoting this guy as like a potential Heisman dude. Um, I know you got JK and I know you've got, you know, Justin Fields, but like I say pick Chase. We've talked about this before. Um, I think that's really what they need to do. They need to throw their support behind the guy and, and say this is a Heisman, you know, winner that we have on our team and, and we want him to be the, you know, the Ohio State representative. Uh, in New York. So if that happens, and if you have a moment, you know, the Indominus Sue moment in the championship game or default championship game, essentially, and, um, you know, he's he goes out and plays that way against Michigan and whoever they play in the championship or whatever, then I think you got a shot. Uh, but it's it's gonna it's still an uphill battle, especially with Joe Burrow playing the way he has. As long as he doesn't, like, completely crap the bed against Bama, uh, I, I think it's basically Joe Burrow's to lose, which, by the way, is the most insane sentence ever for yeah. Ohio State football in like the last two or three years that Joe Burrow Heisman, like probable Heisman winner. Yeah. <laughs> like we had, I was actually going through the Dubcast uh, archives a few weeks ago and we had Joe Burrow on um, as a recruit. He was, he came on just to talk about his recruitment to Ohio State and Michael Citro, who was my co-host at the time, kind of tongue in cheek said like, yeah, hey, yeah, future Heisman winner, Joe Burrow. Like, that's not going to happen because we got all these dudes on the roster. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, sometimes out of the mouth of babes, like sometimes it works. Sometimes you're just right. Uh, so, man, that's just, it's freaking wild. Um, Life comes so, at you fast, man. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. So here's, good for him. Here, good for here's Coco one other. For put him in that position. One thing you said a minute ago that I think bears repeating, you've got to show Heisman voters something new. I actually yeah. think that's, I, I think that's a big part of the reason that young is in the conversation because to some extent, I think people have recognized that, Hey, you know, we really don't give Disney, you know, any of their due when it comes to Heisman consideration. Like really, Shouldn't we be talking about at least one defensive player every, if it really is oh, the award recognizing the best player in college football, not the best offensive player in college football, not the best quarterback in college, then we really should be talking about somebody as a potential finalist every year. And yet we really don't. Right. And, and well, and here's the other thing. The reason why Chase Young can get that and, and, you know, talk about that and create that conversation. It's because he plays for Ohio State. Ohio State's games have been getting enormous ratings, you know, yes. even in the noon slot. Yeah. And I don't think there's another defensive player. I mean, there's some great defensive players in the in the nation this year, but uh, because he plays for Ohio State, because he's getting the national exposure, and as you mentioned, because he's got guys like Clatt and Herb Street and some other dudes, you know, talking him up, um, that's I think that helps a lot I think that really does you know kind of boost it so he's in a very lucky position and obviously he's playing you know lights out and out of his mind and just doing some amazing things but I just I want to see a defensive player win it man it it should not be the best quarterback on a contender it it really shouldn't and you know there are some players who have just done some mind-bending things you know unheralded because they're not on great teams and I, you know, especially defensive players. And I really wish that they would get more attention for something like this. Uh, Cause it shouldn't be just this prestige thing. And I know like, you know, we've got all these commercials now and Heisman house and all that stuff. So of course we want to have the most, you know, popular teams represented, but I just, to me, that's not what makes college football fun. What makes college football fun is that it's egalitarian and weird and any team could technically beat any other team. And we've seen ridiculous results like that in the past. And, you know, I, I like that. That's what I like about college football. And I would hope that that would be reflected in the Heisman. So maybe Chase Young, poor disadvantaged Chase Young from the (laughs) never talked about Ohio State Buckeyes uh, can start turning that around a little bit. So I think that'll be fun. Um, 
Andy, next thing I want to talk to you about real quick is we we are so we're just gushing with pride about you know Ryan Day and how great all this transition we're getting. All the assistants are amazing. And then you look at some of these other programs, right? FSU just fired their coach. Taggart's gone, and they got to pay him like seventeen million dollars, which is great. <laughs> uh, what's what's going on? There are some marquee programs, right? USC got rid of Helton. What what are we doing here? Like, what's going on with these marquee programs where some are just so good at finding a replacement, and others just have been struggling forever? The thing people and say fans in general, and and fan being short for fanatic, but the thing. The, the average fan doesn't give enough credit to is good athletic administration. So I, I yeah. think you could make a case. Gene Smith isn't the best athletic director in the country. He's in a short list of the top two or three. Uh, yep. I mean, he's really good, tremendous amount of stability. We've talked in the past about how good he's been at hiring head coaches who are winning titles consistently and not just in football and basketball, but across the non-revenue sports as well. Uh, the the facilities and all of these kind of things. I mean, that comes from having solid, consistent, stable, reliable, visionary type administration and leadership. And some of these schools, despite having the same types of fiscal resources or brand that Ohio State or State is an example, Florida State is a pretty powerful brand, all things yeah. considered. The Florida State has great history and tradition. And my gosh, if you can't recruit in the state of Florida as, you know, as the flagship um, university or one of the, the two flagship universities, there's something horribly wrong. Like the talent in that state uh, is is the best in the country, right? So you should easily be able to field at least a conference champion contender, if not a national title contender every year. And yet, and yet they've sort of been wandering, you know, in the wilderness here, the Taggart situation. You're basically playing three mortgages. I saw somebody on Twitter put it. You're, you're paying three mortgages on Taggart because you paid the Oregon buyout. You paid Oregon what they had paid left or left to pay on his USF buyout. <laughs> right. And now you're paying the $17.5 million buyout on top of that, more than $20 million when it's all said and done, probably 21, 22 million in buyouts. And and you go back and you look in, at Taggart and, and yeah, he was known as this turnaround specialist and maybe that was the attraction. I go back and I look at his record. His best season was 10 and two Kentucky. Yeah. And that was the thing that got him elevated. So Oregon screwed up hiring in the first place. That, that, was, right. that was the first mistake. And they corrected that pretty quickly because it looks like they have in turn now made a pretty good hire. Yeah. Cristobal looks great. He looks well, like he's the real deal. Absolutely. So that, that seems like, Hey, okay. We, we realized and, and shouldn't have, or didn't need to. Um, and, and now, but Florida state has realized, Hey, we made the same mistake worse. Um, and, and I get it, you know, finding an urban Meyer, finding a Nick Saban, um, you know, finding a Dabo Swinney, if you will, I, I get it. That's hard. They don't grow on, and we look at Ryan Day and say, well, Ryan Day didn't have, you know, miles and miles of head coaching resume like Urban Meyer was a home run hire, but that was easy because you could look at his track record at three different yeah. schools and say, this is, I not, think, this is easy peasy. Yeah, but I think what you were saying, it goes back to administration. I mean, it, like you have to be able to identify that kind of coaching talent, and that's what, like, you know, there, there's been articles being put out about who Ohio State would have targeted and gone after in lieu of, you know, Ryan Day and, and had there been like a coaching search. And you've got the usual names on there, like Campbell's and whatnot uh, and Stoops and all that. But like they stuck with Ryan Day because of what Urban Meyer and Gene Smith saw in his coaching ability, you know, as an assistant. And like not not every school is a blessed with the kind of coach that has the kind of experience in the coaching tree to identify that kind of stuff, because obviously urban Myers, you know, coaching tree is like amazing. Um, and, but also schools don't have a, the athletic department and athletic director who can identify that and, and B frankly, and a lot of people you know don't like this, but like a president that will stay out of the way of the athletic uh, department director and, and allow them to make that kind of decision. So you get a lot of interference sometimes, you know, administratively, and that just didn't happen in Ohio State. And I think that's part of why they've been really lucky 
with their coaching hires. But, you know, you see some of the messes that are at these other schools and it's like, there's just so much. I mean, I remember, you know, the whole debacle with the hiring of Rich, you know, Rodriguez at Michigan and, and the way like, you know, the administration was just interfering with what the athletic department wanted to do. And just, there was so much drama surrounding that. And, and when those things aren't in concert, when they're not in harmony, you get really crappy coaching hires. And I, I think it's been very wise of Ohio state in general, you know, Gene Smith and, and Drake and all these other guys to uh, stay out of, you know, Gene Smith's way. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just, it, you know, sometimes I, I, I'm like, thank God that Ohio state gets this lucky, but it's, it's intentional. It's something that they've been able to cultivate. So. And I think too, sometimes these coaching candidates, I, I, and I get, you know, the lure of whatever ungodly amount of money Taggart, you know, is being paid as a, as a head coach at Florida state. I, I get that you, you know, that's life-changing money to most of us. So, you know, if right. you're at Western Kentucky and you have the chance to go to Oregon, you take that chance and so on. But you mentioned Rich Rod, they're off to stay at West Virginia. He had a great thing going there. He did. And you, you go to Michigan and it damn near tank, you know, damn near ruins your career. Uh, now, you know, so he sort of found his way back before he tanked his career again and so on. But, you know, there, I look and say what might have been if you hadn't left Morgantown. Now, Okay, turn that around. WVU, you know, hey, you you kind of uh, didn't help the situation there any, and maybe you need to pony up the dough and so on and so forth. And they've not quite find their found their way back to the prominence they had under Rich Rod either. Speaking of schools with a new head coach, um, you know, it's a tough thing. And hindsight's twenty twenty, but a lot of times I look at some of the places these head coaches choose to go, and I say, man, you left a pretty good situation at one place to take the first pretty girl that winked at you at the, at the party. Um, maybe, maybe it would have been better to hold your powder dry and wait to see what right. opportunity comes along. next. <laughs> so that's all well and good. That's fun. I, before we move into ask us anything, one thing that I absolutely want to talk about is the basketball team. We've got a game against Cincinnati coming up on Wednesday. So I guess by the time people are listening to this tomorrow. So I'm really pumped about that. I, I mention this all the time and stuff that I write native Southwestern Ohioan. Grew up as a Cincinnati Bearcat basketball fan. Like, I loved Ohio State football, right? That was always my jam when I was a kid. But on basketball, I was Bearcats all the way. And I am just delighted that they are making more of an effort to get down there and and engage those teams. Because really, like, the I-75 corridor where you've got, you know, UD and really Wright State off 675. And then you've got Xavier, of course, and Cincinnati and and, uh, and that part of the, you know, the state. I just... Those are teams that Ohio State needs to play, frankly. That is, I want Ohio State to kind of dominate uh, in basketball and in football the way they do, uh, you know, across the state. And, and to do that, you really got to, you know, subdue the angry subjects in southwestern Ohio. So I, I am really excited to see them play this game on Wednesday. I think the team's going to be good. They're, you know, they're top 20, you know, preseason poll. Um, I, I don't know. What are you most excited for, Andy, for the upcoming uh, basketball season? love is just that Ohio State is playing these games against the the decent basketball programs in Ohio again I mean there was a time where you'd say why doesn't Ohio State play whether it was Cincinnati or, or UD or, or Xavier or whoever it is yeah. and there's some pretty good little basketball Ohio and as an Ohio State fan you, you know you didn't want those other fan bases to feel like oh you know the big Buckeyes are afraid of Right. team here and and i'm i'm with you so i grew up uh you know halfway between columbus and cincinnati and uh you know when huggy bear was uh, at uc i mean they're just they're they're hey, an interesting program get those jucos uh, in there beat a bunch of blue blood you know beat a bunch of like rich kids it's at yeah. it's fun it's fun yeah ab- absolutely and so i'm that's what i'm excited about it's just i think again i've said this on the program before so far, man, Chris Holtman has done everything right. If you were going to let out, you would want a head coach to to kind of comport themselves in the, you know, bringing back, playing in St. John, doing the throwback uniforms. I mean, all oh, those yeah. things. And this, this to me fits right in that. This is the kind of the brand, I guess, that he's bringing back um, to the program. And, and what, let's do this every year. Absolutely. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, if you look at the roster, you look at the team, like there's a lot to like, obviously. I mean, there's, you know, it's one of those things where you're kind of like, 
I don't know. You you do get a little apprehensive at the beginning of the season because you never know what a team's really going to do when it doesn't have like this huge big star to rely on. And, and maybe Caleb uh, is going to be that guy for the team. But I just to me, this looks like a basketball team that is maybe not like it, it doesn't have a, you know an Evan Turner right or a Solinger or really like even like a guy like David Light. I would take that back. I think they have a guy like David Lighty, but they just don't have a focal. Um, player that's just going to go out and dominate, and the other teams are going, or other players are going to be role guys. I, I just think though that it's a really deep team in terms of who they can bring on the floor. Uh, and in the Big Ten, I mean that a that's really important because you get so many different styles and you get so many like really physical teams that will test you for the entire game. But I also think it's important because it just helps build consistency. It, it just like you don't have to worry about your team going through like a five to 10 minute stretch where they just absolutely can't get a bucket. Right. So for me, Ohio state this year looks like a much more complete team um, than they have uh, under Holtman in the past. And, and, you know, he could cover that up uh, with, you know, really good guys like Kata and, and whatnot. But uh, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited to see this team because I think they're just going to, they're going to be like a, to me, I think they're going to be like a Michigan state team with Izzo that just gets better and better and better as the season goes on. Right. Like I, I, I like what they got. I like what they got. And especially the new guys too. I think they're going to be really good. I think Harden you're starting. I mean, I think we're starting to see more of, because that first season under Holtman was a pleasant surprise, right? Like it was it far exceeded anyone's expectations, but that was because expectations were about as low as they could possibly be. Right. And, and, you know, so now we're, we're in that phase where you can see, Hey, you know what, this cat really can coach and, and he really can develop. You've seen players develop. Um, you, you're seeing not only, not only that, but look at the kind of buy-in he's getting. You were talking about Wesson. Look at Wesson's body. I mean, when you, right. you, there's been, there've been no shortage, short, of digital that cat looks like he has gone through the biggest uh you know throwback thursday transformation ever i want to meet his nutritionist and or his trainer <laughs> and see if i can get enrolled in that program uh because it you know it works and so that that to me like that speaks volumes about the kind of buy-in that a player you know has for a program they're willing to put forth that kind of effort to, to make it happen, you know, changing right. diet and all that sort of thing. That, that to me, if, if the players weren't on board with what Holtman was preaching, uh, you wouldn't see a guy, you know, go through the kind of physical transformation he has in, you know, a relatively short period of time. Right. And, and, you know, Wesson, I mean, Caleb's going to be, he will be the focal point of a lot of what they do, especially in offense. But like I said, I, I think, especially with the new guys they have coming in, um, you're going to just see a lot of depth and a lot of rotation. And I, I'm an, I, if there is a concern that I have about the basketball team just in general, I mean, I don't think this is a national title contender or anything like that, but I do think they can make some noise in the tournament. Um, but if I do have a concern, I mean, size is is one of them, and I think they're going to struggle with that a little bit, uh, especially, you know, like on the glass. I, I think that's something that they're going to have to really, like, lean hard on Diallo, right, uh, especially early. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, if – look – Solinger was a great rebounder. If Caleb can evolve into that same kind of like role and do that same kind of thing with a similar size and body type, that would be awesome. But you got to be aggressive. And um, I don't know that he's had the same kind of aggression that, that Jared did. Uh, but overall, like I said, I, it'll, it's the game against Cincinnati will reveal a lot about the expectations that we have for this basketball team going forward through the season and I, I mean, like I said, I'm down for it. Now, Cincinnati, of course, themselves, like they've got a lot of flux that they're dealing with, um, especially after hometown boy, just like up and, and dipped <laughs> for for the West Coast. So, you know, peace out, homies. I got to go, man. And, and I got to tell you something. <laughs> nothing makes nothing makes a Cincinnati man more salty than another Cincinnati man, like finding some like love on the West Coast and like just piecing out and getting some cash <laughs> like that makes oh my god i guarantee like cincinnati fans just so angry about that <laughs> and how that played out um so you know if they don't if they don't play well against ohio state the the natives are going to be extremely restless in southwestern ohio for the bearcats which you know understandable so i'm looking forward to that i think that'll be a lot of fun obviously we'll break that down as well um you know because i'm guessing the maryland game probably won't 
you know, provide too much fodder, but we can, who knows? You never know. You never know. Last season didn't think that either. Obviously that was a much different story. This is, this is a kind of a magical time of year. We've got football coming into its most important month. Yeah. Basketball is here. Wrestling starts Sunday in Cavelli arena. I mean, this, it's like that magical period where you could watch just about every sport you want for a period of a few weeks before they all kind of go their separate ways. Right. Man, this is great. Yeah, it's awesome. It's freaking sweet. And and we're lucky to have, you know, to be fans of a program that is so dominant and good in the two revenue sports. And and by the way, it's not like they don't have one of the best wrestling programs in the country, right? One of the top two. It's not like they do really good in ice hockey. It's not like they do really good in women's basketball. There's so much to like about Ohio State athletics. And, uh, you know, that's it's it's like you said, it's a great time of year and it really helps us out. Uh, well, what you were saying. That. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm going to shoot one more shot uh, for, for, for a little, little shout out to, to the wrestling program because what, what we were just talking about with basketball and some of the new guys that are coming in. Same thing happening with the wrestling program. Um, so Ohio State technically opened its season Saturday at the Michigan State Open, which is one of the open tournaments that they wrestle every year, uh, as opposed to a dual meet, which is what Sunday versus Stanford. So the tournament, five out of 10 uh, Ohio State wrestlers finished as the winner of their respective weight class, bringing home a, a championship from their first tournament of the season. But the young guys, so Sammy Sasso, who is a, a Nazareth, Pennsylvania native, a redshirt freshman, was in route to winning the 149-pound class, and he wrecked everyone. Nice. Uh, either a tech fall or a pen in all five matches. Nobody That's was fantastic. able to take him full seven minutes of the match. Uh, and there, there was a true freshman out of all Karch led 165 pounds. Karch may redshirt. I am I'm interested to see whether he zigs or zags here. Coach may keep the shirt on him yet, depending. But um, if he wrestles, he looks like he's a, a force in what's going to be a pretty deep class at uh, at the Big Ten. Uh, and then my man, Luke Pletcher, um, is another guy who looked really fantastic, beat two ranked opponents in route to winning the 141 pound class, including number one wrestler in the country, Dom Demas, who is another central Ohio guy, but got away in his wrestling for Lou Roselli at Oklahoma. So it, it was a pretty good weekend for Ohio state, which was nice. Um, cause the, the, the month of October brought some heartburn for wrestling fans, but November bringing the winds of change and it's going to be a, an exciting season to see some of these young guys uh, crack the lineup here as, as red shirt or true freshman. Yeah. We, you know, wrestling, obviously, you know, you lose, you lose a dude and, and it's not, it's not ideal, but that's the situation that you get when you, you know, you know, I don't know. We, you know what? Tell you what, Andy, we, we'll have to explore. I actually do want to ask you about that. And we'll get into the whole, uh, Snyder situation and, and what that means for recruiting. And I, I want to talk about that actually at length uh, later on, because I, I think that's really fascinating. And that's something we need to get into, um, especially as you know wrestling heats up. But, I, you know, it's good to see it's good to see the team, you know, show some flashes of dominance and, and especially the young guys uh, who are coming in, you know, continue to be really good. So that's awesome. Um, let's go ahead and do ask us anything. And you guys can send us questions by sending uh, those marvelous queries to dubcast at 11 warriors.com or at 11 dubcast on Twitter. I want to start off with sun card here. These by the way, are my favorite kind of questions for ask us anything. He wants to know uh, when you are putting away the dishes in general, you put the newly cleaned dishes on top of the dishes that are already clean. Then you use these recently cleaned ones again. How do you fix this poor rotation cycle? Thanks, Suncard. Don't take this the wrong way, my brother from another mother, but holy crap, that's a whole lot of thought put into dirty dishes. No, it's a philosophical question. It's like, like, no, it's a great question because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, how, how much can you replace on a ship before it becomes a completely different ship? It's, it's, I don't want, my grand, I don't yeah, want to my answer these types of questions. Yeah. These are good questions. By the way, Suncard, quick, quick response from me, fewer dishes. Don't have as many dishes. Then, yeah. by the way, the other good thing about that is that if you are constantly operating at like a slightly below capacity on dishes, you know what I mean? Like you're always a couple short. 
that also forces you to do more of the dishes so they don't sit around as much. So you, my you personal know, recommendation, fewer dishes. That's how, that's how I respond to that. You're onto something there. I was going to make the, the uh, contemporary argument, uh, con, uh, contemporaneous argument of get a smaller dishwasher. Uh, yeah. Because what, what I found in our house, so we, we moved this summer. And um, as part of the deal, the dishwasher in the new house is smaller than the dishwasher in the old house. It mm -hmm. doesn't look it, but capacity-wise, you could tell after the first load of dishes. So we have found ourselves doing dishes more frequently. Now, this actually probably exacerbates the problem um, brought up in the original question. But, man, there are times I wish we had fewer dishes because we're doing dishes all the time. I'm going to be thinking about this question now for the rest of the week and trying to figure out if this is a first in, first out or last in, first out. If I need to reorganize our entire supply chain. That's right. You got a game plan to stuff, optimize. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That is. The, uh, so the problem you outlined with the boat, I always think about it as the, the my grandfather's axe problem. Right. So that's oh, right. very, very Viking. You know, this was my grandfather's axe. And while I replaced the head of the axe and my, you know, grand the the handle of the axe and so on and so forth. When did it stop being my grandfather's axe? Yeah, it's still exactly. my grandfather's axe, even if literally the none of the parts are the same as they were when granddaddy swung it. Right. Yeah, so exactly. I like that. I like that. Uh, okay. So the next one here, this is from Stuart. Stuart just wants to know he's coming down from Canada, which great hey. job. Like I appreciate the effort on that. Which and we don't really talk so much about how close Ohio is in proximity to Canada, but it is always a nice trip to make. I enjoy that quite a bit going up to, you know, Toronto Same. or Montreal as I've been there a couple times. Always a good time. Yep. Um so he's coming down from Canada to Columbus this weekend for his first Ohio State game in the shoe. Any recommendations on things to see, do or places to eat? Let's keep this let's keep this simple, Andy. So if you're coming down from Canada, because actually that I think that provides important context. Yes. You're coming down from Canada, you're going into Columbus, you're gonna see a game for the first time. What is like the number one thing Stuart needs to do? Because he's he's doesn't have a limited time. And as we all know, trying to get to the stadium, dealing with the traffic, all that stuff, that's a huge time sink. What is like the one thing you think he needs to accomplish while he's in Columbus from Canada? So the, the two different things. So game day wise, you've got to go to a skull session. If you're, if you're going to yep. come down, um, you know, live in town, I think you probably take for granted because you say, well, I can always go to another. But if you're just coming in, sure. this may be the one time in a two or three year period that you make it down. You've got to do a skull session. Super important. And uh, and or see the ramp entrance, uh, the band taking the field every time the drum major comes down the ramp and when he does the back bend and the plume touches, no matter how many times I've seen that plume touch the, well, I started to say soil, but the uh, 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 synthetic turf product <laughs> uh, in Ohio stadium, it always brings a tear. I'm not, I'm not being uh, facetious here. It always brings a tear to my eye. I get a little choked up when, when he does the back bend and the band crosses the field. So you, that that's a non-negotiable make the time get into the stadium early enough to see that happen so outside of game day stuff there's been so it depends on how long you've been off campus too i just think there's been so much change to our campus yeah even in the, i feel the same even, way even in the 20 years since i was you know a a, a bright-eyed bushy-tailed freshman you know just walk around campus it's really incredible what they've done uh, with the place it blows my mind and I like I say I live in town so I'm there more frequently than somebody here's time and, and just walk campus yeah here's here's what I would do so let's I'm going to give you a game plan for three days and assuming you get in like Friday night Friday night I would hit up like a really nice restaurant in town right like do it do it nice you know what I mean like get in Find a really like I don't even care. It doesn't have to be like a Cameron Mitchell thing, obviously. And that's and that's what people go to, and that's fine. But like if you want to go to Lindy's, if you want to do something like that, I say go to a really nice restaurant on Friday because I mean, the rest I'm, of the weekend is not gonna be nice and and calm and and you know, like you know, really do it to it. It's not gonna be super fancy pants. Okay. You're gonna be you're gonna be in the muck and with the street, and it's gonna be loud and noisy and dirty, and that's great. But Friday night, have a good time. Saturday, all about football. Get your ass up early, like Andy, like you suggested. Get on campus as early as possible. Walk around campus. Hit up Buckeye Donuts. Still an institution. Still there. Jimmy, the owner, great dude. I love that guy. Uh, know him a little bit. Uh, he's he's a really nice guy. So if you see Jimmy, tell him Johnny said hi. 
um go there check it out check out campus check out the you know library basically devote uh saturday to campus to ohio state to to absorbing all of that and you know go to the skull session get to the game as early as possible see the ramp entrance all that good stuff script ohio watch the game when you're done don't just dip stay around campus a little bit talk to people do the whole thing after that on sunday there are a number of places that i would check out before you're leaving uh there i mean you have options you've got north market which i think is always really fun right that's a really good place to get some like early morning stuff and before you leave tossy downtown is really nice get a nice brunch get a good place to go and then maybe head on up but i would say class it up on friday full ohio state experience saturday find a nice like decompressing point on sunday and then get back up to the great white north so um it's it can be a lot of fun and i recommend it um all right and you mentioned so i'm gonna put in a plug you mentioned uh, i think your plan is spot on and friday night you can never go wrong with the cameron mitchell restaurant but i'll, mm-hmm. I'll give a shout out to jeff ruby uh, now oh yeah, go, ruby. yeah hell yeah man go real adult money when you go right. to jeff ruby's on friday night i mean that's not i mean even by cameron mitchell standards jeff ruby is like real adult money right uh but really worth it fantastic place to go can't recommend yeah i think saturday night i probably have to go to tommy's and get some pizza yeah that's i like that's a good way to wrap that up i agree yeah it's a good place yeah um okay so this next one here is from alvin and he simply asked what sports uh do you prefer your kids to play growing up this is uh we we are the proud parents of uh, a baby girl six six years old going on 16 and my daughter is the center of my universe and so we're now coming into that phase where we're starting to she had her first tryout the other day for a team and it was uh, at her ninja warrior gym you know like the tv show right. american ninja warrior and so this was a new experience for me as a parent in, in my tryout for the the team they have a, a team uh, for the six to eight year old kids who are at you know competing at the ninja competitions and so that was a new experience so um she does gymnastics and ninja warrior and we'd been doing rock climbing and she wanted to transition from rock climbing over to ninja i thought of rock climbing and swimming both more as like life skills that she should learn rather than like sports Sure. Where gymnastics, you know, that that's an obvious, um, you know, sport. And I think it's a it's a great fit for her in my little heart of hearts. I'd like to see her um, try basketball, you know, mm-hmm. the hints and, and say, but I'm, I'm going to do this the way my dad did. Dad didn't make us kids do anything, but anything that we expressed an interest in dad and mom supported to the nth degree. Right. And, and so that's the way we've kind of approached this with her. And that's how we got into the gymnastics and the daddy, I'd like to do this. And daddy said, you bet we'll do this. That's um, cool. So I, so I dropped my hints that, Hey, wouldn't you, would you like to try basketball? And so far <laughs> she's been very firm that nope, that uh, she likes playing on the playground with her friends, but not really interested in going out for a team. And Hey, you know what? That's okay. Cause I don't want to have to fight her, you know, two practices a week and a game on the weekend. Oh yeah. Well. No so, kidding. Uh, so I don't have any kids. I, I think, you know, I, I mean, I'm not super wild about the contact sports. I, if you want to play football, if I got a kid who wants to play football, man, I, I, I'm going to have to sit down and, and think about that one, honestly, um, because I don't know. It, it really just depends on who's in charge of it and where it's at and all that kind of stuff, because I, I feel like you get a bad coach and, and somebody's just really, you know, let's just helmet on helmet it up for eight to 10 years of, you know, your child's life. So they get, you know, several concussions before they graduate. Yeah. I don't know that I'm all about that. Um, I really love swimming. I, I did it competitively. And I say that like I was good at it. I wasn't particularly good at it, but I, I did do summer swim teams. I did winter swim teams. I did it in high school. Um, I love that sport. I think there's a great communal a- atmosphere and aspect to swimming. I also really like the fact that it's solitary in a lot of ways and it forces you to kind of like fight with yourself a lot, which I think is important. I think yeah, it allows you to know who you are. Uh, in a lot of ways, you know, it's it's like a track sport or something like that, where you really, you know, you're kind of in your own head a little bit. And I think that's important. I think you have to to discover who you are as an athlete. And sometimes that requires reflection. And I, I think swimming does that. Um, so I think I would probably encourage swimming. And like you said, it's definitely a life skill, right? Like you need to know how to swim. People need to yeah. know how to swim. And I, I want, you know, if we have a kid, 
I want that kid to be able to be a good, strong swimmer because it's, I don't know. It, it, it was something I learned at a really young age and I always valued that I was decent at it. Um, I don't know. Basketball is a pretty great sport. I, I have relatives and, and my godfather was a really famous basketball coach in Southwestern Ohio. Um, it, it's definitely a family kind of thing. And I think, you know, my extended family would definitely appreciate uh, me raising someone who is interested in basketball. I, I think it's a yeah. great sport. Wrestling, I think is a great sport, frankly. I mean, I, it's, it's, that's another sport I think teaches enormous amount of discipline and I appreciate that. Um, and baseball, I played baseball for a while, loved it, wish I hadn't dropped it. And I think that's another one of those cerebral sports that still allows you to be really active, but also thoughtful. And so I like that a lot. I also did soccer, garbage at it, uh, just a lot of running and not, it's, you know, so not for me, but, um, I, you know, if a kid needs to get out of energy that way, I'm, I'm down for that too. So basically any sport that doesn't involve multiple concussions by the time they graduate, I'm cool with, um, by the way, so here's the other thing real quick. This isn't a question. But this is from a, a listener named Bradley. He just wants to point out some cool stats about Chase Young. Get into this real briefly. I actually appreciate when people send this kind of stuff to us because it definitely helps flesh out the conversation. Uh, he notes that Young leads the nation in sacks with 3.5 uh, more than his nearest competitor. He's second in forced fumbles, and he's tied for first in tackles for loss. That's wild. Uh, he apparently only 11 power five teams have blitzed less than Ohio State. Uh, and Chasing does this uh, without playing second and half. Uh, he is 290th in total snaps by defensive alignment. So that is wild. All that statistics, that's from 538. Uh, but I really appreciate Bradley sharing that uh, with us. Um, I don't think the, I saw a scatter plot of the, that stat with the number of sacks versus um, – snaps played and so when you mentioned he's like 238 290th or whatever it was some obscenely low number i mean it's it's well documented how how well uh his defensive lineman i think that's actually one of the strengths of uh his his whole plan uh of attack and and probably one of the reasons he's able to recruit consistently the kind of guys that he's bringing in here and and performing at a high level has become this little nfl pipe line just from <laughs> from Larry Johnson to the NFL right but when you look at I mean yeah that's why I, I keep going back to Chase Young is something different back to our conversation earlier because he's operating as the most dominant player in the game and playing fewer minutes you know as minutes played like a basketball game or whatnot he's playing fewer snaps than just about everybody else doing it's really mind-blowing um, and it just really speaks to how, and the word disruptive gets overused, but how disruptive he is to the game. Because well, I thought the snap, analogy that they they made they've been making with him, which is you know like the Barry Bond thing, right? You're going to walk him a hundred times, but when you pitch to him, like he's going to yeah. hit a home run. And I think that's that. I thought that was an incredibly apt analogy. I think I think it was Clatt who who put that one out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's just that's perfect, and I 100% agree with that because it's just what he's doing in limited snaps and and limited opportunities is just completely wild. And, you know, like I said, I hope he keeps it up and I hope he becomes the first defensive player to win that Heisman in a really long time. So, um, so that's ask us anything. Thank you for sending us those questions. We've got a game coming up. We got Maryland. How do you, how are you feeling about this? Before we get out of here, what's your score prediction? How do you think it's going to go down? I'm a little bothered by this game. In the sense that, uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to jinx myself or brag by saying that only Ramsey Nasrallah has uh, is besting me in our house money series. My, my picks right. have been, uh, the 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 luck has been with me this season. Um, I'm, I think I'm batting better than sixty one or sixty two percent now. Uh, last last week went eight for two, but this this Maryland game bothers me. That opening line was like forty four, I, I think. It was where where it opened, and, I, and I get why that's the case. Yeah, but it's ridiculous. Yeah, so like at thirty five, I'd have been all over it. Ohio State will win by at least thirty five points. They'll probably win by forty four um, because you know they're really really good, and Maryland isn't. But man, that's <laughs> a that's a fat line, and and it it's just it's just fat enough that it has me overthinking it probably um but no score prediction 
Uh, I mean, something ridiculous like 52 to seven isn't at all out of the realm of possibility, right? It's just a matter yeah. of, um, this is, we, we were kind of, I think, joking um, after the was a three-week buy for some players like, say, Thayer Munford as an example. Sure. Or, you know, just, just get, get healthy. And, and so you look and say, okay, um, you want a guy like Justin Fields uh, to, you know, continue to get enough snaps to um, be as good as he can be. Let's not play him unnecessarily because he is the thin scarlet line standing between Ohio State and its and, and its ultimate goals in the postseason. So, right. uh, hey, let's not let him play any longer than he just absolutely has to. And, uh, hey, let's say that for Chase Young as well, right? And, and I think Coach Day, there would be any cutesy poo packages to help him bolster his Heisman chances. Like, hey, will we see a, uh, you know, a Chase uh, on offense type of play or something along those lines? And Coach is like, no, we're not going to expose him unnecessarily <laughs> to right. injury potential. And so there again, I say, hey, into the second half if we don't have to for that reason and at the same time you reminded us earlier that last year's maryland game was <laughs> yeah, my prediction, walk yeah. Apart. my prediction this week is 52 51 ohio state uh <laughs> overtime win <laughs> yeah no i don't i mean look i, I i'm kind of with you i think they might actually cover but it just the line just seems so insanely ridiculous yeah, um i don't me. i don't know i i'm i think I think they'll keep it relatively low key. And and honestly, I think you may actually see Ohio state win a game more impressively and, and more interestingly than Michigan did, but along the same lines where it's like, okay, you know, Maryland might get like a, a long, you know, run for a score or something like that. But it, to me, you're looking at like, you know, a 45 or a 48 to seven kind of game. Um, just because it's just the talent disparity is ridiculous. The coaching disparity is ridiculous. And hopefully they can get in and out without a lot of, you know, fanfare and no injuries and everybody's going to be good to go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I just kind of, my biggest look for the game, the thing I'm really going to be looking for is just how many sacks Chase Young can get before they finally pull him. Um, yep. I'm hoping for five, but you know, <laughs> over under is three, I think right now, uh, or maybe mm-hmm. two and a half is what I would guess. But um yeah, we'll see. And hopefully Ohio State, like I said, you know, comes out with a statement win, uh, a statement, you know, game for a lot of these players who are looking to make Heisman moves. And, and we'll definitely be back to dissect it. And, of course, the opener against Cincinnati Bearcats. So we'll talk about all of that next week. But until then, I'm Johnny. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time.